0: been here in a while or, uh, or it's your first time ever or first time in a long time, uh, we've been going through a series over the last several months and we'll continue through the next month uh, called Not the Same. The idea behind the series is we are looking at different encounters that Jesus has had throughout the Gospels and how people, when they encountered Jesus, left there Not the Same. Now, one of the most exciting things about this series, besides the fact that Jesus changes people's lives, right? That's exciting enough. Uh, but the other part is that there have been several of our very own members who have been invited to share during this series. And so we've had uh, all of our staff has shared, I believe. Um, uh, we've had uh, a Sunday school teacher share. Now we have one of our own members here, former pastor, looking forward to him sharing this morning. Brother Donald, if you'll make your way up here, I'm so excited to have him sharing with us this morning. Also, just excited about the guys who are to come and how the Lord's going to continue uh, to move during our time throughout this series. So, uh, Donald, you uh, open up the Word for us this morning, brother.
1: Wow, the screen changed in the introduction. I feel like a rock star. <laughs> Signatures are five dollars a piece. I, I, I invite your attention to the Gospel of John. John chapter 4, that's right after John chapter 3, and that one verse there we all remember well. I'm going to read several verses for us, It co- covers that pericope covers a, a, a significant event in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, one that... Uh, We probably could stand if your name was called out of drawn out of a hat. You could stand and relate to us the story of of how that happened and get most of the details in it. Uh, Maybe we'll look at it a little bit differently today. But um, the the uh, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, John four one. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. I have no husband," she replied. Jesus said to her, "You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true." Sir, the woman said, "I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in the mountain, but you, uh, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem." Jesus declared. Believe me, woman, the time has come when you will worship me, uh, worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is unto the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worship, worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. No one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the uh, woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man, man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, how about eat something? But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months uh, more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are white uh, already for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages, even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus he is saying, one sows, another reaps. Is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked. Others have done the hard work, but you have uh, reaped the, uh, the benefits of their labors." May God add His blessings to the reading of His sacred Word. Church, you are aware that of the verses we have read, if we mined from this deep, uh, dug from this deep mind, we could be here the rest of the day, maybe even the rest of the week. Uh, nothing that Jesus said is ever insignificant. Nothing he ever taught us is to be taking as trivial or, or trivia. Uh, he was serious and intent on taking care of the Father's purposes, the Father's will, and the being obedient all, even to the death of the cross. Uh, sometimes we need to look at the scriptures in in microcosm kind of approaches to mine out every detail and and, and to glean every word of that. That's a lifetime experience. That's a lifetime journey. Uh, But today I want us to look at some of those things and look at the bigger picture of the account of of the way this Samaritan woman would uh, never be the same. Jesus with his disciples are making their way from the south to the north. They they are making that adjustment uh, as as they are going both to the to the promised land and the scripture says let uh, me find it in, in verse uh, two I think uh, he left Judea went back once more to Galilee now he had to go through Samaria he's coming from the the southern, uh, uh, the southern area of uh, Judea. And normally, well, the way a good Jew would do that, in order to avoid going to Samaria, they would get almost to Samaria, they would hang a right, and go east, cross the Jordan River, and then they can go north uh, for a couple of days and come back, to the, come back west, and they'll be in Galilee. That would, would be the way that a prominent, devout Jew would have made that. You stayed away from the Samaritans. I have a little book in my study. I bought it back in seminary days. Uh, Grady Nutt. Some of you remember Grady Nutt and Hee Haw. Grady Nutt was actually a Baptist minister. He was a graduate of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Was a devout student of the the Word of God and and dealt with and struggled with his sense of humor all of his ministry. And and turned that into a place of ministry. When Nutt wrote a little book uh, called The The Gospel According to Norton. uh, The Norton was uh, the thirteenth disciple. Uh, he was different than everybody else, and 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 Grady Nutt knew that he was different. Norton wore socks with his sandals. Uh, he was always uh, around writing down notes for something that was that was said. But he records an account of Jesus saying, "I need to go to Jerusalem." Excuse me, I need to go to Samaria, and and he in, in Nutt's imagination says that Peter had a fit. He, he is arguing with Jesus, and he's arguing with the, uh, uh, the disciples that are there. He said, don't you know that in Samaria there are Samaritans? And, and Samaritans just hide behind rocks, and when you get close, they jump out, and they'd just be Samaritans right in front of you. Well, that's a humorous way to look at it, but that's kind of the way they thought. These are people you stay away from. These are people you do not bother. Uh, the, the woman at the well, the, the scripture says there that, that um, they, they would not, he asked for something to drink. Literally the word there is saying is that they did not share, the Jews did not share vessels with the Samaritans. Wow. I understand that this light colored hair didn't come out of a bottle. It comes from a lot of deacons meetings and and a lot of years. But I can remember the segregated South. I remember when I was a junior in high school that our group from Tishomingo, Mississippi, Tishomingo High School, not the county school now. It was a little 1A school in the town of Tishomingo. We got on a school bus and we went to Memphis. And I don't remember what the Memphis trip was about. But the Beta Club was there. The ones who were were making the better grades and the honor students and all this stuff. And I remember us going somewhere to eat in the city of Memphis that was a lot better than anything you could eat in Tishomingo. Uh, I don't remember which one it was. But my African-American friends paused and talked to our advisor or supervisor, whatever, a sponsor and they were mumbling and asking questions. It was later that I realized the question they were asking was, can we eat in there? That still hurts my spirit. These were colleagues, these were friends, but we can't share the same vessels. This was the world that Jesus was living in. These were inferior folks. There was a reason for the inferiority. They were proposed by the society as being inferior. Um, They, I've lost all my notes, but it doesn't matter. God has another plan. They, they They were those individuals who did not go away in the captivity. If you'll remember from the Old Testament history, there was the the Assyrians came in to the northern part of the kingdom and they took away those 10 tribes there. They gathered every person they could gather and carried them off to Assyria and and they never returned. There was was some though, there was some of those Jewish folks that didn't get caught. They didn't get captured. My sister is here today. My brother and, and, and his wife and... I was there. We were on the home place yesterday. As you're aware, a few weeks ago my mother passed away and that's the last one and what do we do with all the stuff and all of this? There's an 80 acre block block of ground that that is up there. It has my name on it. I don't know what we're going to do with that yet. That's a decision for another day. But I'm pretty familiar, even after I've been gone of this length of time. I, I know my way around that, that 80 acres of ground. If the Mexicans start coming up from the south and overthrowing Mississippi, uh, that's probably where I'm going to head. I, I know my way there. I can hide from folks there. I think I could, well, I don't know. I might starve to death. I'd have to pack a... a um, a big lunch basket, but I know where the water holes are. I, I know where the whales are. I know, I know that property. That doesn't make me an intellect. It just means I know more about that than you do. You'd be lost. I know what, what's going on in that, that part of the world. Well, that's what those Jews that was left there, they did. They hid out. They, they knew where the water sources were and some food sources and different things that they could do that. But then the Assyrians brought in these other people. And they intermarried. So here are these folks, the chosen people of God, uh, but they are crossed with the Gentiles. So they are a rejected people. The, the, the Jews despised the Samaritans more than they did the full-blooded Gentiles because this was a compromised group. And they rejected that. They, they, th- this woman was, would have been re would have been rejected because of uh, the uh, of, of a race. I'm getting with Brother Danny now with the with the R's and my tra- my uh, the, the alliteration of what's going here. They didn't like her because of a race, a mixed race, a, a Gentile cross Jew uh, had no dealings with them. The Scripture says, but it really means that they did not deal with the same vessels. You couldn't, couldn't drink after them. You couldn't eat after them. Couldn't intermarry with them. But uh, she was rejected, and it was a, a difficult thing for Jesus to talk to her because of her race, but also because of her religion. She asked the question, where do we worship you? Do we worship you here? Do we worship you in Jerusalem? You people say one thing. My people say another else. What do we do? It was a compromised religion. Now, they believed the same things. But God had said, that Yahweh God, Jehovah God, had declared a place to be set apart in Jerusalem, a place for the sacrifices and all that other. That was mandated years ago, uh, before years ago even from Jesus' time, that this is the way it was to happen. But, but this group of Samaritans had developed a parallel religion, but it did not follow all the protocol of the Jewish religion. And so therefore the Jews rejected that. You and I know that... Uh, that God is everywhere. We know that now we don't have to bring a sacrifice to the altar. You don't, we don't need your heifers and goats to bring to church Sunday morning. Uh, that blood has already been shed by the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the, the upgrade of what, what had happened in the, in the past. But they had devised a parallel religion that was a counterpart to, uh, to the other. You know, we're still having battles about r- Worship. God, in these sunset days and the, the, uh, the fall years of my life, uh, I have the opportunity to fill in to preach with folks uh, at different places. Last Sunday, I was not here. I went back to the church where my, the fellow that baptized me, he's still my pastor. I, I, I preached for him last Sunday. He and his wife and family were all there, kids and grandkids, and I guess that's as far generations as they are at this point, went home to lunch with him. Uh, There was it was a much smaller room than this one. Uh, The music was much different. The worship was much different, but it was still worship. It's one high and holy. God, and they, they do things, their techniques are different. It was the same sermon, but I've it up on this day. Uh, it was, it was uh, that kind of time, but I, I see that. I, I visit in churches, and here we are, we sing off the wall. I, I know those that, that, uh, that sing those songs out of books, and the notes don't even look like the notes that we have, the shaped notes. That, I mean, all of that looks like tadpoles on the bottom of the pond to me, but some of you folks understand what that is and what that means. But it's different songs, a different beat. Honoring the same God. Worshiping the same God. Using a little bit different words, but did you know that every song I've ever sung, every sermon I've ever preached, Every prayer I've ever prayed had to be filtered through the Holy Spirit of God to make it fit for heaven. I don't care how old you are, how educated you are. I don't care how righteous you are. We are subjects of grace. I I remember years ago as a pastor, my first pastorate. We had a Gideon speaker that Sunday morning. We had a table out front then and we passed the offering plates around. And that particular Sunday morning, I I called on a young man, had some teenagers. who was taking up the offering, serving as ushers that Sunday. And I called on one that I I will not repeat his name, but he was a little bit slow. He took the... the, uh, the, the special ed classes, and he got a special degree diploma from high school, but he couldn't learn as well as the other students did, and I called on him to pray. And as he began to pray, he said, Lord, bless the ser... And he realized it wasn't going to be a sermon. And he said, bless the... Me-, and he realized it really wasn't a message. And he stuttered and stumbled around there a few minutes. He didn't know, and finally he took a breath. and He said, Lord, you know what the thing is. Bless it. I have heard in this room some fairly eloquent prayers. I've been present with people who pray publicly and, and, and it was just like you could bring the angels of glory down with those prayers but I've never heard one that accurate from that one except that one. Everything I have to pray has to be filtered. Everything I worship has to be filtered through Him. The uh, it was a false religion or a compromised religion. But also another reason he shouldn't speak with her was because of the relationships. The woman had been married five times. Wow. What's the limit? Well, actually, the Jews did have a limit. Three was as much as you could. Uh, you, you would... Uh, you would, uh, uh, after the death of a spouse, you could marry again and marry again. But after the third one, that was, that was the limit of that. Uh, and she'd been married five times. Automatically, we think she is an immoral woman. Did you note in the text that it does not mention how those marriages ended. She could have had men who beat her. She could have had men who died. I had a friend in seminary. He came in one day. He was tickled to death. Was a, had Monday day, Mondays off. But Tuesday, come to class, and he said, i got to tell you, there's this old fella in my church that uh, he's 90-something years old, and he came in and announced that he's buried three wives. He had announced his, uh, his engagement to the fourth wife. And somebody asked him, she, he was in his 90s, she was in her 60s. They said, doesn't it bother you to marry that age woman? He said, well, I have studied about it. And I finally come to the conclusion if she dies, she just dies. I don't know to this day if he's an optimist or a pessimist. We don't know how that ended. But I read in this mostly old book one time that it's not my business to judge. Judge not lest you be judged we don't know her story maybe she had husbands who had beaten her maybe they had died maybe there's some other things that are there the bottom line is we don't know and even that is borderline judgment and then there was of course that last one jesus said the man you're married to now the man you're living with now you're not married to that causes some concern of her morality but, but her relationships have not been good. She's there by herself in the heat of the day. It says the sixth hour. And there's, I don't understand all that reckoning of that. I, I just trust the folks who do. They, they tell me that there's one way of saying the sixth hour could mean it's 6 a.m. It could mean it's 6 p.m., but it probably means noon. And the fact that they're in the middle of the day would indicate that the context would indicate that it was probably noon. And that is a detail that's not absolutely essential to understanding it. I am told, and I'm not sure how that research has been done, but that going to get the water was a social event. The ladies would make their, their ways together. They'd leave from the village and come to Jacob's well, and they would get the, the water from the, from the well, and then they would take it back. They would have that time of opportunity, the time of of visiting, the time of fellowship that went along. But this lady didn't fit in. Her peers had forced her, either by words or by actions, to come at another time. She comes in the heat of the day. And uh, Jesus, because of her relationships, probably shouldn't have, have touched her. Uh, shouldn't have spoken to her, shouldn't have interacted with her. But you hear me, I'm a sociology instructor. And I want to tell you, Jesus doesn't care a thing about our society. He cares about our souls. He cares about a relationship that you and I have as individuals. You and I have to live in this world and have to fit in with it in some way, form, or fashion. The uh, the Samaritan woman had several strikes against her. She her. Uh, it was not appropriate for a, a man to be speaking to a woman in public. There was a division there, particularly uh, a stranger and certainly a Samaritan. There was, uh, yeah, her gender was uh, was the other reason. It's not an R, but he didn't have dealings with women. But then, that's just two people in the story. The, uh, there were some people who responded to that. There were disciples. The disciples came back, and they were surprised. Verse 27. They were surprised to see him, surprised to see him with a woman, surprised at, what, at the interaction that was going on. Do you realize that the Lord Jesus Christ does not need the approval of First Baptist Church South Hill to do what he does? Sometimes we come together and have our business meetings and all that I've been here have been cordial. I don't know that. I've been into some in other places that weren't so cordial. We, we, uh, we, we conduct the business of the church, but sometimes we get to thinking what committee is going to report and who's going to talk on this and who's going to talk on that. No, the business meetings, when we come to get our hearts and lives right with God to see what his plan is. We listen to the word, we proclaim the word, we, we, we are faithful, we try to be faithful in, in, in living out the word. And then we come and say, well, I think this and I think that. That's the wrong perspective. What is God's plan for us in this place, in this hour, at this time? The disciples returned and they were amazed at, at what took place. They, uh, they come with what they had. They must have been Baptists because they came concerned about the food. Uh, we, we, we've, we've got food for you, Jesus. Uh, take a break and eat and quit talking to the dirty woman. We've got other agendas. We've got other things to take place. But there was this, in sense, of, it was a rejection of what Jesus was doing, but even they rejected The woman. Maybe they knew her past. Maybe they knew she was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Certainly they would have known that she was a Samaritan. But they reacted to what Jesus did. The woman reacted to what Jesus did. She learned about this living water. She learned about what Jesus had said to uh, the, the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture says she left her water pot. She left the water jug to go back into the society, go back into the, to the, uh, to the community. I pray and trust that I'm not adding too much to what that means for her to lose or to leave her water pot. It's the only thing she had decent in the world. She was fulfilling the only place that she could fulfill in her role as a a rejected woman, as an outcast woman. She'd come to the well with that water pot to do the functions that she needed to do. But she met Jesus and she left it all. She's never the same again. She goes and finds those guys that she has known. She goes back to the town. And let me tell you, I've met one And my life will be no longer the same. And when they came back and they met the Lord Jesus Christ, the Samaritans believed. Jesus looked at with his disciples. Peter and the others were amazed at all that was going on. And he said, you folks say there's a few months left here to harvest, but I'm telling you, he's looking at the coats of those those Samaritan men on their way. He said, the fields are already white. White unto harvest. Now, I'm preaching this at the time it's harvest season. Cotton pickers are going. But I'm telling you, we ought to be cotton pickers too as we get out of this place. As we'll say amen here in a few minutes, when we go back where temptation is strong, sin is real, but Jesus saves and we have the message of Christ to declare to a nation and a world that is watching and waiting and eager to hear that word. The scripture says that, they, that many of the Samaritans believed and he stayed in Samaria for two more days. If You'll read earlier in the text, the scripture says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. He could have gone the other way, and it would have taken him two more days. Could it be that the reason that Jesus had to go through Samaritan, Samaria, that there was a woman at Jacob's well that needed to hear his message? But that was the quicker way. (laughs) Isn't it neat that when, when these things fall into place, it's almost like God knows what he's doing. The, he, he, he saves two days to go through Samaria but because God had a divine appointment for him in Samaria he stayed two more days. God had this thing figured out. The Father had this thing figured out. And he's got it figured out for you as well. I don't know why you're here today. I, I'm sure there's all kind of reasons and even I've we may not know because we're here I heard of the fellow that didn't want to go to Sunday school and he, his wife told him said, uh, he said well just give me three good reasons for me to go to Sunday school and she said, she said nobody there likes me I just don't want to go she said well you're 35 years old and you need to have some good habits thirdly you need to to uh, have a, be a good example for your children and fourthly you're the pastor and you need to be there uh <laughs> The, the, we all have reasons to do what we do. Now, Brother Danny's not that one. He, he's a, we like him here. We love him here. Uh, the, uh, he, he puts us in those places we need to be when we need to be there. And we hear the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's one reason. But another aspect of this, of this story, and it's, this is an account. The story doesn't mean it's fictional. But this account in the life of Jesus is the same Jesus, this same Jesus who drank from the water cup of the Samaritan, who invited her into eternal life and gave her life that is eternal, has called you and me, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to follow him. We are to be salt and light and witness a world that is out there. Church, hear me. Hear my heart. Not just the words I say, but the the meaning behind them. There are a lot of those folks that are out there that are not very desirable. And there's days you're not so hot yourself. It's called grace. And the same Lord who has, has touched this life of a woman who had all kinds of things against her and yet he redeemed her, have called you and me to touch the world that is out there in the blessed name of Jesus our Lord. Way back years ago, when I was a college student, there was a former quarterback from Mississippi State named Joe Reed. He was a Baptist preacher. He, he did lots of things with youth, and he wrote a, wrote a, a, a poem, wrote a, a, a song. Uh, I used to have the tape out of the the album of it, with that went on it. Um, if I could sing, I would sing it to you, but I don't. But the, the name of his song was "Have You Kissed Any Frogs Today." I'll read the words, the chorus first. Have you kissed any frogs today? Have you helped someone a long life's troubled way? Have you told them of God's amazing grace? Have you kissed any frogs today? There's a story from our childhood worth remembering. The tale of a prince turned into frog. Now he sits all alone and rejected as he waits for someone to come along. For you see, the only thing that will save him is a kiss from a princess, fair and true. But chances are that this will never happen for he's ugly and lonely and blue. But then one day, a miracle did happen. A lovely princess finally came along. She met him, and her heart filled with compassion. And then she kissed him, and this is what she saw. That ugly frog was changed into a person. And all his sorrows from his past had come to end. Now he's a handsome prince, just full of God's potential. And all it took was the help of a friend. So Christian friend, won't you heed the story? For its moral is as true as it can be. All it takes to change the ugly into glory is a helping hand to everyone you see. Even though this may involve some sacrifices, the blessings will by far outweigh the cost. For the lonely we help in times of crisis may trust the one who died upon the cross. Have you kissed any frogs today? Have you helped someone? a long life's troubled way? Have you told them of God's amazing grace? Have you kissed any frogs today? Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you for Jesus. And he's not just a fellow who lived a long time ago. He's the resurrected Lord who lives today and touches us and blesses us, calls us to salvation and calls us to service. Lord, I pray you bless now the conclusion of this service, that you direct us toward you and give, give unction of the Holy Spirit to guide and lead and direct us. We pray in the matchless name of Christ. Amen. Here's